Hello, Texans. Welcome to the show. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you, taking you into the weekend following the Texans' preseason finale, a 17-0 victory over San Francisco Thursday night, NRG Stadium, preseason in the books, and opening day coming up two weeks from Sunday when the Texans take on the dreaded, hated nemesis, the Indianapolis Colts. And I'm fired up for that one already, Johnny. Good evening. How are you, my friend? Yeah, it's hard not to be after I, I don't I don't even care what the record was. I didn't even care. I mean, even if they had lost last night coming out of there. I mean, last year two and one and getting ready for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I mean, I always feel pretty positive heading into the season, but I think what what this year has done when you think of Damian Pierce and Derek Stingley and seeing Kenyon Green last night and Kurt Heinish and you see this young talent and you're like Whoa. Yeah. And then you're seeing the talent from 2021, Davis, Nico. Uh, unfortunately, Garrett Wallow, who had taken huge strides, had been has been banged up the last probably week and a half and maybe more, and we've missed him. But you see that young talent, and you're like, okay, you start to see it come together. And I, I don't know if I said this on the air or not. I I said this to Sean and Seth in the pregame. I said, I said, can I interest you in a stat? I went Landry Locker on everybody. Okay. And – there are 81 players for the 49ers going into that game last night. Of those 81, 49 of them were drafted and developed or signed straight out of college and have stayed there and developed. 49 of 81. Mm. Homegrown talent. The Texans in that same situation, 29. And it just kind of goes to show when you didn't have those draft picks and you were relying on veterans and you are sure. trying to get to a certain point, and now – it's going to flip and go the other way. And well, you let's look, see what it is on the 53. Right? right, exactly. I think the percentage for the 49ers will be higher. Yeah. I think it'll be even higher. Now, it won't be 49, guys, but they will have. it'll be a pretty significant percentage. I think for the Texans, the same thing. I think of those 29, I think a decent majority of them will be there moving forward, and they can build off of that. Add another 8 to 10 more next year, another 8 to 10 on top of that. And the caveat always is if Davis is the guy – and those 8 to 10 and 8 to 10 don't have to be a quarterback. My goodness. Yeah, I think, though, well, there's a lot you just said right there because if Davis is the guy, even if right. he's not the guy, you play him this year, you decide he's not the guy, you have options with those draft choices, sure. but you feel like, all right, we're starting over at quarterback, aren't we here? And you really don't want to have to do that, but Correct. you do have the capital to do something really significant next year in the draft. But let's not even talk about that because I'm excited about what I saw last night. Right. Let's get into some of that. We were talking about this on the post-game show, things that translate, things you can take with you from the preseason into the regular season. Look, it doesn't always work out that way. You might have lit it up in the preseason, scored a lot of points. doesn't mean you're going to score a lot of points in the regular season. Not that they scored a lot of points. But what did they do that we think we will continue to see in the regular season? I'm going first. Oh, okay. They're going after the quarterback. They're going to uh, get backfield penetration with mm -hmm. these front four. No matter who's in the lineup, I just feel really confident with that. We saw enough of that last year, all right? And you have some guys coming back, but you mentioned it. Added talent. Seeing Jerry Hughes last night, yeah. seeing Addison in the mix, and those guys instantly make an impact for you on the field. Then seeing Heinish develop mature right before your very eyes from yep. point A to point B in camp, and now you want to go C, D, E in the regular season with him. And it was like, is he going to make this team with all the D linemen you have? Yeah. And now it's like, 
please, there's no way he can't make this team. That's the feeling anyway among the fan base and outsiders looking in. I got to think they feel that way in the conference rooms as well. I would think so too. And I remember thinking after seeing him in minicamp at OTAs, and I had watched him a number of times in Notre Dame. And in fact, I wanted to ask James Lipford his opinion of why Heinz didn't get drafted. I, you know, in watching him at Notre Dame, I thought he was, I thought he would at least gotten drafted. Thank God he didn't, because hopefully this is the place he ends up being for for a long time. But I think it's swung so much for him. Is he going to make? Well, well, he's a practice squad guy at a minimum, but can he make the roster? I think it's gone from that to. Don't we want to see this guy on the field playing? Yeah, in, in a rotation with everybody. I don't know how they put it together, but Johnny, I don't look. Are you with me that on the D line, who's going to start? I don't Listen, worry about that. Yeah, I don't they're care. all going to play, right? So. Whoever's in there in the second quarter on a particular third down that makes a huge play, that might have been a guy who didn't start. Exactly. Who cares? Exactly. As long as you make that play, yep. right? Because they're going to heavily rotate them. They want them fresh. Here's the one thing that I would say to add to what you said about, um, you know, the, the youthful talent, et cetera, things that can carry over. Physicality. Mm. They've talked about that. It's evident. I mean, obviously, I'm you know, listen to the broadcast. I mean, I'm listening to, to, you know, everything that's going on. I hear things through my headphones. I feel like when I'm watching, I feel hits like, ooh, and I cringe when guys are getting hit because it feels like there's such a higher level of physicality than I've seen in the last two, three, even four years. I mean, where they physically, you walk in that building and you look across and go, oh boy, if you're an opposing team, you're, Buckle up, Sparky, mm. because it might not look pretty, but that team's going to get physically hit and hit hard during a game, and that pays off. That pays off because you're the more physical team. It When you know you're the more physical team, you there's something that happens in a game where you just know, okay, well, you may be hit on this play, or you may be hit on that play, but... We're physically dominating you right now. It'll eventually even out, and we're going to win this football game because we're more physical than you. And that's the way it it feels with the offensive line, with the defensive line, and how they're going about things. And one player doesn't make all the difference. But in combination, you have Kenyon Green on the field last night. And I can't say enough about what the rookie did last night. He missed a pass block on one, that Dari, the sack that I think Omenahu got. I think it was a sack that a man who got green got he got beat on that. Darrett helped him, but then a man who went around the outside of Deculus ended up getting a sack. So that was unfortunate. But in the run game, when fifty nine hits other human beings, when he strikes other move. human beings, they move. Mm. I mean, they move, and sometimes they move out of the shot, out of the screen. If you're watching the end zone view where you're tight on a line. There was a block early on. I can't remember where it fell in the game, but he had a double. He comboed off the the double to a linebacker. And, I mean, he took this linebacker and just completely knocked him out of the screen. And it was pl- it, those, those instances were plentiful when he's on the field. So you put him in the mix. Then you add a running back like Damian Pierce, who is always going forward. Then you've got right now two hammerhead fullbacks in Quesenberry and Hairston, that they'll run, as Coach Smith said. He said one of his favorite plays of the game was just a lead ISO week 
Nine where Hairston had to just fly right through there and pop a linebacker. And I showed you that play. Yes, yeah, you and I watched <laughs> that again. He knocked Oren Burks yeah. completely out of the hole. So, you know what I love, though? You've been talking about Hairston. I did give you credit after I you stole did, it from you. I appreciate you. it, yeah. It's like I stole it, and then I said, That's you fine. know what? I stole that from Johnny. It's but okay. I've been noticing it that he's got this physical presence. He's got an edge about him. He does. And you want that at that position. Yep. And I was wondering, are they going to really put him at fullback in the guts of the game? Well, opening drive would be the guts of the game, wouldn't it? As he paved the way, yep. and Pierce is his own way paver as well. Right. So those two guys in the game at the same time, and if you can get Green going as well, and just the physicality you're talking about, you're talking about smash mouth football combined with all the other trimmings you can add in off the passing game with Pep Hamilton doing his thing, and they say there's a lot they haven't done yet. I'm anxious to see it, man. I can't wait two weeks from Sunday. We were in L.A., and I remember distinctly one of my hits. It felt like the offensive line in of the first half just, it just, it just didn't feel like it was coming together. It just didn't feel like, ah, maybe they need kind of a, a kick in the backside. I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't feel right. And I remember saying at one point, you know what? I'm getting frustrated down here. Paraphrasing my own quote. But getting frustrated down here. Why don't they just put Harrison at fullback and put Pierce at tailback and just change the whole complexion of the whole thing? I love that aspect that you can just say, you know what? We're not quite kind of tapping in for whatever reason. I mean, 17 games, you're going to be at different levels of intensity and whatever else. You might be tired. You know, who knows? But if you can say, hey, 34, 31, get in the game, change this thing. Just change this whole thing. That's a, I mean, that's fantastic. And it does change. I know people ask me this all the time. Do you, do you really, does it really change? You can yes, see it. Absolutely. You can see it. The old line feels different. Oh, everything feels different. The whole when, building when got a lift. You're down on the field and somebody lays a big block or somebody has a big hit. I mean, defensively, you hear it throughout the stadium. You're like, oh, you hear that throughout the stadium. Mm -hmm. And that charges everybody up. Right. And I was no shrinking wallflower as a coach. I had no qualms with saying, I'm going to take you and put you at this spot, and I want you to go hit that guy as hard as you possibly can on our sideline on this particular play legally, mm -hmm. legally, and I guarantee you it'll change everything. And I swear to you, I did that multiple times, and every single time it did. That sort of physical nature just changes the way – teams play and the way the game is then played from that point on and the fact that even with a fullback and tailback that you can do that with i just i love it it's I, like I love a, it. it's like a big dunk in basketball yes. almost it gets Heck, everybody yeah. going the physical nature of it i mean yes. you hear coaches at practice like hey dunk that right. don't just lay that up right. you know to a big guy dunk that ball yeah. because of what you just described it lifts everybody up so harrison was interesting at fullback i still want to see him get a carrier too we'll see what they can add and damian pierce looked good again he didn't play last week against the rams did on opening weekend against the saints and did last night on that opening drive and looked terrific and I said it during the broadcast bubble wrap I think I said that before they got to the 20 yard line yep. I was like put him in bubble wrap right done. now I'm done I don't want to risk anything this guy looks good now preseason small sample size preseason intensity I get it I get it I get it but come on folks are you watching what I'm watching I was going to pull up the rushing totals from last year's preseason they oh. did pretty well in the preseason record wise what two and one or whatever two and one but I don't think that you're looking at 36 for 156 and the way they did no. it last night. And they have been very clear. We want to be physical. 
we're a running football team. They keep telling you folks we're a running football team, and you're wondering, are they really serious about that? Yes, they are, and they're going to prove it to you. But again, they got to prove it to everybody. They got to be able to work that way. But Johnny, why not? Because when you're in a division with Derrick Henry and the Titans, uh-huh. and they're a physical team, and they want to yep. play that way under Coach Mike Vrabel, you mentioned it with the Colts. When you look at the 2018 yep. season, they started badly, and Chris Ballard said to Frank Reich, "Run the ball. You got an o- a young O line. Run yep. the ball." That's what the Texans want to be, and they want to match that intensity and and actually eclipse that intense intensity in the division. There's so many things that running the ball well leads to. And I think a great example of that, actually, last night. I mean, the Niners weren't – they weren't destroying the Texas defense on the ground, but they had picked up a few chunks of yards. Well, there was that one time – it was the sack that Heinish got. Trey Lance put the ball in the belly of – I don't remember who the running back was, and he pulled it out, and, I mean, he sucked everybody in. I mean, yeah, everybody yeah, in. It works. And the Texans were playing three deep. And they ran the far outside wide receiver on just a deep go and kind of angled toward the, toward the middle. So it was kind of a – it was a post. And that took the safety and the corner for the Texans. And Debo – I happened to be right in Debo's view. So I was watching the whole way, and I'm like, uh-oh, this is trouble. He was crossing the field. They, the Texans used to run the same exact route. I don't know what – I think they called it Yankee – where they would take Fuller from one side and they'd clear out with Hop or whomever, and then Fuller would run the, the crosser, or vice versa. Hop would run the crosser, and then Fuller would clear out. And that's exactly what they ran, and Debo's wide open. I mean, he's wide open. Why? Because the Texans linebackers were screaming up for the run mm-hmm. because they saw a really good run fake. Thankfully, the pass rush was just all over Trey Lance. He couldn't get it off. If he gets it off, Debo has not got a guy 30 yards from him. He's just got to get it off. But the threat of the run was so enticing for the linebackers. You just get caught, and nobody can robot back and get in the way of Debo, and that's an easy throw. You just get it out there. Debo then runs and does the rest. That game could have been tied with that, but they got the pass for us. The point being, if you run the ball or can at least get teams to buy the fact you're going to run the ball, then play action becomes – so much more wide open. Throws across the middle don't become so tight. The windows open up. Just got to be able to have that opportunity to run the ball. And I think Lovey said that. He said that to me at halftime. We're a running team, John. We're a running team. Now, he clarified in his press conference, which I don't think he had to, but he did. He said, look, it's not as if we don't want to pass the ball. They're going to. But if you establish a physical mindset and then work from that, a lot easier. Yes. Hey, second and one. How many times you see that last year? Yes. Second and one. I like that. I like that down in distance. The Lots only game of we were in second and one last year? Chargers. Because you ran the ball well. Right. That was the one game where you ran the ball well, and it worked out for you. All right. A lot to go over here, and let's start with this one because everyone wants to talk about the passing game as well as the running game, and Davis Mills, how he did last night. Total number, 6 of 10, 58 yards, sacked twice, one touchdown, one pick. All right, threw the touchdown, left the game. Last week against the Rams, threw the touchdown, left the game. Wasn't a thing of beauty, but look, opening drive, you put up seven points. You mentioned it. Look, you're not always going to have a beautiful preseason performance. How do you feel if you're the 49ers or 49er fan base about Trey Lance? Anybody looking at that? Anybody looking at that? 
Twitter feed of the 49ers and all the people who cover them and the comments yep. and seeing how they feel about Lance right now. A lot of people are like, hey, don't panic. A lot of people are panicking big yeah. time because they're used to success with Garoppolo when he's healthy, which is a big if and when. I liked what I saw, though, that first drive. Obviously, you like what you see with the touchdown pass on third and 16. And I think, look, it's still a work in progress here, and we want to see it progress for opening day against the Colts. I, I think that's the... That's the one thing to keep in mind. It's okay. Two things can be true. It's okay to feel excited about what you've seen. Mm -hmm. It's okay to acknowledge that it's definitely a work in progress still. Passing game was, was not great. And that obviously is the $64 million question. How much better can it get? Didn't throw the ball, the ball successfully down the field all that much. And you can make excuses or have reasons for why that was. You didn't play the left side of your line for most of the preseason. Larry Tunsil didn't see the field. Justin Britt didn't see the field. Brandon Cooks didn't see the field. Last night, Farrah Brown didn't play. So you're, with, you're out without at least four guys there. So, yeah, and I know that neither – none of the three teams you played played everybody that they had either. So it was sort of – I don't know, depending how you look at it. But in training camp practices, especially with a younger quarterback – you just get used to, hey, Brandon's out here. I can just spit one out to Brandon, five yards, let's go. But Brandon's not there to do that. And I don't know if the other receivers are quite in tune with him enough to be able to have that quite that rapport. So it was a little shaky in the passing game, and I'm, I don't want to say I'm worried, but I walk out of the stadium always thinking about, okay, what more can they do? Here are the things I'm happy about, but what more can they do? What do they need to do to get better? Okay, passing game needs to get a little bit better. It needs to improve. But maybe it cleans up once you get the full unit back together. The units practice together. Maybe that's the case. You obviously have faced first, you know, uh, high-level defenses. I mean, you faced the Colts, the Broncos, right off, right out of the shoot. They got some dudes on those two particular mm -hmm. defenses. Mm -hmm. At least Davis has seen the Colts before, and and so it won't be such a such a shock. But the one thing that travels, you said about what carries through from preseason. If you got a running game in the preseason, pretty sure you're going to have a decent running game during the year as well. Running game travels, running game physicality. If those things are there and present and remain there and present, you'll be okay in the running game. You're not going to run for 84 yards. It was one thing that Herb Street and, and Al, by the way, I thought the broadcast was pretty good. We'll talk yeah, about it a little bit later. thought it was good. Oh, that was Mills, by the way, interrupting you. Oh, it was? Uh, do you want to hear him talk about the offense for a moment Yeah, here? let's do it. Okay, Mills talking about the offense and how much better it can be. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the sky's the limit. Um, it's what we're capable of doing on offense. Um, I mean, I think it's going to be very unique to what we're going to do here um, compared to different teams around the league. So it's going to be really exciting kind of pulling some of those tricks out of the bag uh, once we get to week one versus Colts. All right, what's he talking about here, Johnny? I mean, that sounded very interesting. Unique compared to other teams? Tricks out of the bag? I want to hear all that. I mean, I want to see all that. I think you want to hear all that on the radio as we describe it to you starting September 11th at noon kick. But what do you think? Some wrinkles? Some I, interesting I'm trying things. to think of the right way of saying this. Um what what's the what's the right way of saying that there's a lot of stuff that that they haven't done yet. we saw in training camp that mm -hmm. didn't make its way to a preseason game yeah yeah put good. it that way good 
So I'm. Uh, I think there's a lot of stuff. A good way to put it is there's a lot of stuff we saw in OTAs as well. True. I feel like exactly. we saw more in OTAs when it's the fans point. were not there. Yeah. And they kind of, I'm not going to say dumbed it down, but they simplified some things sure. in the public practices right. and in front of the media. And now that they have two weeks to get ready, they don't have to worry about that fourth preseason game right. anymore. They have two weeks to really get going whatever it is that Pep Hamilton has in his bag of tricks. Yeah, and the, th the thing about that, there's a double-edged sword, and that is we haven't really worked on this, but we're going to break it out against the Colts on week one. you got to make sure that you have worked on it at some point and you have put significant time into it. It can't just be... I've learned my lesson the hard way many, many times. Even things that you may have done in the past. Like, for example, if there was something they did in 2021, but they just haven't worked on it in 2022, mm -hmm. don't bring something like that out during the game. Because, oh, you remember we just did that last year. We're going to do it this year. Well, if you haven't worked on it at any point, that's going to be trouble. But I just know in just what we saw that I think there's a lot more there, that the word vanilla comes to mind. Because what I saw in preseason games and what I saw elsewhere, not completely different, but there just was not that much of it. Okay. Not that much of it at all. So, you know, it's like a barbecue dinner. I think we saw probably, you know, the, or let's put it, a, a Tex-Mex dinner. We probably saw the chips and, chips and queso and guac. That's probably what we saw. Chips, queso, guac. Right. You know what? If you throw some pico in there, I could have that as a meal almost every time. I know, All but right. you also have a meal on top of that. Yeah, and you might bad. have the tres leches, so mm -hmm. the tres leches would be a nice little double pass, you know? Oh, gosh. There's a lot of things you can do with tres leches. All right, we also saw Jerry Hughes last night, and Hughes looked good out there, and he knows there are a lot of young bucks on this team. What does he think of the way they're performing so far? And we got a lot of young guys that are hungry, that are willing and eager to do the right thing to make this organization a winning organization. So when you got young guys that are buying in now and doing all the right steps, it's going to be a fun season. I can't wait for the season to start just because I know the kind of work that they've put in in the offseason. So I know what we're going to get once the uh, real bullets start flying. All right. Well, that's, we got a lot of young that's guys. Gonna, well, stop. It's going to be September 11th uh, against the Indianapolis Colts. Johnny, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, nice additions to this team. We talked about them. Before they signed them, we were actually pretty comfortable with a lot of what they had here, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, you had Jonathan Grenard coming back after the eight-sack year. You had some guys who made some plays. By the way, Derek Rivers, there's a report out there. Ugh. What was the report? Torn biceps or something? Yeah, that's, that's sad. If that's true... Ooh. But you know what? And it's happened to him a bunch. Injury issues, all of that. But let's just hope for the best here. But at least you have some depth on yeah. this D-line right now as you head into the next two weeks. And I can't speak for Jerry, and I can't speak for Mario. I would imagine they would want to be on a team that was unequivocally in the mix, in the playoff mix. And there's no telling the Texans are in it or not in it. But I would imagine that they're where they are in their careers, a little bit older, but they're also looking at, yeah, we're on a squad right now where there are no, expect, no expectations nationally. No, nobody really expects the Texans to do a whole heck of a lot nationally. they got these young dudes that are hanging on their every word. They are valued veterans in the locker room. I would feel like this is a pretty interesting spot for them to be as players mm -hmm. at this point in their career. 
Uh, and that really kind of shows on the field. I mean, it looks like they're it looks like they're having a blast. And they're playing their guts. I mean, Jerry was was awesome last night. Mario got in. I don't think they gave him any credit on the Heinish sack, but he was a he was a decent part of that sack, oh, yeah. having beaten his guy to get there. And one of the things, and, and Dre happened to see it. I saw it in training camp, and I was glad that Dre mentioned it on the broadcast last night. When they got to third and 10, now I saw it a little differently in training camp, but it was just the fact that it was not two defensive tackles, two defensive ends. It was Mario next to Jerry on one side and Malik next to Grenard on the other. And I just, as I saw that on third down, I went, whoa. And they got back there. They didn't run any kind of goofy game or stun or anything like that. It was just four guys. It's so refreshing. Blazing to the quarterback. It was so much fun to watch. I mean, we saw it at times last year, but to get into that backfield, the 49er backfield, with the very mobile Trey Lance yes. back there, who's fleet of foot and able to get some things done outside of the pocket, they were able to force some bad throws. What level of concern do the 49ers have with Trey Lance right now? I think there's probably like a mosquito flying around. Really? That's it? I mean, that can be frustrating. You know how I am. I just want everybody else to suffer. I know. I don't think it's I don't think it's that bad. Again, you go back to what have we seen of Trey Lance from the time training camp started to now? We saw not even what, three series? We saw three series. We might and, and then there was one preseason game against the Packers that we saw on television. Other than that, we haven't seen just yeah. like people that just saw Davis Mills for the first time last night, they're going, Oh man, the Texans should be worried about Davis Mills. But what did we see in training camp? We saw every single snap. We saw him getting better and better. We saw him making throws. We saw him go eight, nine, ten straight throws without any completion. We saw some of those things, and I'm sure the 49ers saw some of that. And I heard some of that was happening with Lance at training camp. So I think it's probably kind of mosquito flying around like, you know, I wish that mosquito were gone. I can live, but it's a little bit annoying. We got to see what we can do to get, get that fixed. So I don't think it's this massive issue. This is not a boot on a car. Somebody was talking about RG3 and how Shanahan had him in Washington and the kind of rookie year he had. And this is not Lance's rookie year. It's his second year. Got his feet wet last year. I was looking at RG3's rookie year preseason stats. Yes, I'm that guy. They were actually very good. They were very, yeah, they were, and he actually faced Andrew Luck. You know, they were drafted oh, yeah. one and two in the preseason oh, of wow. that year. Interesting. All right, coming up. Johnny caught up with Lovey Smith. How did that go after the game with the head coach of the Texans? And also, Amazon did the game. A little bit on that as we've been watching some of it today, and you watched some of it last night. Of course, we did our own version of the broadcast on radio, which you all should always listen to. It's Texans Radio. In the Hyundai Texans Radio studio, it's Texans All Access. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Texans winners over San Francisco in the preseason finale. And after the game, John Harris visited with Lovey Smith. Coach, you leave the bagel up on a scoreboard. I know it's a preseason game, but it's kind of nice to get a shutout in a game, is it not? Yeah, and it's hard to do, no matter what. It's hard in practice. It's hard in a preseason game. It's hard in a regular season. And when that happens, uh, you have to kind of acknowledge some of the things that you know, that happened tonight. And for us, we played the run fairly well. And it's about not giving up big plays and hanging in there. When you get an opportunity to take the ball away, guys have bought into what we want to do. Coach, my assessment of just watching these last three games is the physicality level has been raised significantly from what I've seen even last year, two years, three years ago. I know that's something that you wanted to bring in. You talked about being a running football team and defense obviously tugs at your heartstrings. But was that something you really emphasized, no matter what, we are going to be physical? Absolutely. I mean, if, 
you're going to be on our roster first. We have to say this. We're describing a player, no matter what position. Uh, you know, you just look at our offense and who we are. We're not a spread out. We're, a, hey, in between. We're going to have a lead blocker a lot of times. And defensively, you know, we didn't do a whole lot of live tackling in yeah. training camp, but we did everything except for that. Guys know in order to play here, you need to be that. You ran the ball exceptionally well tonight. Passing game, what do you want to see in that going forward? I know not all the pieces were there. Some protectors weren't there. Some receivers weren't there. But what do you want to see going forward from Davis in the passing game? Well, uh, as you mentioned, uh, establishing a run, running game helps an awful lot. But, I mean, it's, when you don't have your one tight end, yeah. you know, who's a tar- will be a target. You don't have your one receiver. And, of course, you mentioned some of the offensive linemen that we have. The next time we play, though, John, we'll have our, all our guys. Yeah. We'll have the offense together. And I've seen enough of the pieces that we like to know that once we put it all together, it's going to be pretty good. Coach, how tough does this weekend become? You have 80 guys now. You've whittled it down a little bit. But now there's some guys you got to say goodbye to, some guys you got to say goodbye to for now because they might be coming back in the practice squad. How tough is this as a head coach to go through a weekend like this? You know, there's, there's a lot of things you like about this position, but that's not one of them. I mean, this is always a tough weekend because uh, so many guys I've seen improve and do whatever we've asked them to do to help our team, but you can only keep so many. Players know that. But, again, we're, we're looking for trying to keep 70 guys. And, um, and hopefully, though, if you know guys can't make it with us, they can find a home somewhere else in the league. 17 days, it might fly by, I would think, for you. I know you want to see Indy in week one. How are you going to pass the time of those 17 days getting ready for Indy? We're going to keep going now. It's, it's about just them. I mean, we've been cheating a little bit and kind of, you know, getting ready for them a little bit. But now all focus is on them, and uh, rightfully so. Uh, they dominated us last year. They're one of the teams that's picked to win our division. So in order for us to really say that we've, we deserve to be talked about on center stage, we've got to show up. Uh, we'll keep getting ready for them. Coach, I appreciate your time. Congratulations. Thank you. All right, Johnny, that's you and Lovey Smith as the Texans embark on the next two weeks to get ready for the Indianapolis Colts coming up on Sunday at noon, September 11th. That'll be a standard CBS TV broadcast. Nothing standard about our radio broadcasts. But last night, Amazon was here. And, John, I'm going to share with you the Vandermeer theory of high-end things. Okay, you ready for this one? This is the Vander theory on high-end things. So... So many high-end things in life, you pay so much more for them because they're high-end, but they're not that much better than, not lower-end, but the medium. You pay that much more, but you're only getting a little bit more in quality, in my opinion, and quality of life added in to whatever you're getting. Right. And I think Amazon kind of like that. The broadcast last night, based on what I've seen so far, a lot of bells and whistles, kind of cool. I mean, nothing wrong with it. We could debate Herb Street now, Michaels, in a little bit here and some of the other talent they had, but I'm talking about the way it looks, the camera angles. We mentioned it before. They had eight trucks out in the parking lot in the loading dock area, eight TV trucks. That's a lot of trucks. Each truck is its own TV studio, folks. I'll give you an example here. For Texans preseason games, Kevin Kugler, Spencer Tillman, we use one TV truck, and I I'll hold our broadcast up to anybody. Right. So is this broadcast eight trucks better? I mean, I know they have a lot of different things and drones and whatever and all the 56 cameras and everything. It might be 
one or two trucks better, but not eight trucks better. Now, of course, my opinion could change when I see all the different screens and I'm home on a Thursday night and they really get rolling with this thing and the dude perfect broadcast and all of that. But for now, based on what I saw on the screen on NFL Network today on the replay, that's the way I feel. And leaving the building last night, they were all done and packing up. I saw 200 people out there who worked on their broadcast. It was unbelievable. It's just amazing what they could pay for. And if I'm ESPN, I'm not saying I'm worried, but ESPN has run like a fiscally sound business. And Amazon, the way they do this broadcast, they are like the live golf tour. They are just throwing money at this broadcast for the time being. That might change eventually, but I found that to be very interesting. My guess is they'll learn. They'll do a, as we would say, AAR, after action report. Yeah. And they'll go, did we need eight? Could we do this with six? Because that's what, that's what ends up happening is, hey, man, this is a really good broadcast. And then somebody says, yeah, you know, truck eight really... I don't know, Truck 8 really wasn't giving us a whole heck of a lot. Well, hey, do you think we can do it with 6? And then you start paring it down, and you still get to a point where you put together a a high-energy, highly efficient, high-profile broadcast, but you just don't need as much. And it was the first one ever. So if you think about the first ever of anything, you you put everything into it. I mean, I remember the first ever game I ever did on the sidelines, getting ready for the aforementioned Washington – uh, at the time, Redskins, uh, with RG3 at quarterback. Like, the amount of time that I put into getting ready for that. It's the first one. You want to make that impression. And I think that's what Amazon was trying to do. But the people, my gosh, not only on Thursday, or not, uh, not only on Thursday, I'm talking Monday. The first day we got back. I know I got back in the building on Monday. We had radio on Monday. So I was in here at like 6.30 on Monday. They were everywhere. They were there then. Yeah. And they just got more and more and more and more. Like a Super Bowl. It was incredible. It it had a very Super Bowl feel. And I would imagine that's their hope. Mm -hmm. That's the hope. Fred Gaudelli, who used to do Sunday Night Football Mm -hmm. for NBC. And Monday Night Football. Did it Monday Night Football for ESPN. He's done a lot of games. He's producing these games. Yeah. And you, you... so you're going to have a very big game feel to it. And as a preseason game. So maybe once they get to the regular season, we'll see how things change. But I'm, I'm with you in that. I think, you know, go buy a pair of jeans. You buy a particular pair of jeans that's a big name so that you can show everybody, ooh, that person's wearing guest jeans. Yeah. You know? Whereas, you know, I can go over to, I don't know, Marshall's, and I can just get a pair of jeans that are pretty comfortable and wear them, and I don't care. I tend to buy the expensive sunglasses. You know what? They're not much better than the ones that cost like 25 bucks. It's all perception. Yeah. It's all perception. Amazon wants to be perceived as a big dog now in, in the NFL, in yeah. NFL circles. I was talking to our buddy Blake Jones. Um, yeah, he's NFL, what is he, director of broadcasting? Yeah, he's director or? of broadcasting or senior director of broadcasting, and so he's dealt a lot with Amazon. And uh, we talked for a little bit, and, of course, we had to – I had to, I didn't chide him seriously, but I did kind of poke a little bit about – he played for you in high school? Yeah, he played for me when he was in junior high, actually. And I was kind of giving him the business about where he put the Cleveland game, but that's a side point. We started talking about Amazon. Oh, good. I'm glad you gave him the business on yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I asked him about the Amazon thing. I said, how's that going? And he just said that Amazon was good to work with. He said they don't quite understand the NFL way of doing things just yet. They don't quite know that. But he said 
you know, they're asking for some things that we just don't think are right or they should do. And they've been pretty amenable to the whole process, which um, I thought was kind of interesting to hear from him. But I'll say one thing about Al Michaels, though. Oh, uh, yeah. You turn on the TV and hear his voice, and it's still Al Michaels. Yep. And there's just something about the magic of Al Michaels' voice. It's a big game. I want to watch this game. It's Michaels. Now, a lot of people are against Herb Street because he's a college guy. What's he doing doing an NFL game? Look, Herb Street, to me, is the color commentator version of Bob Costas in a way, in that he is super great at his job, yes. but not everybody likes him. In fact, a lot of people don't like him, but he's really good at his job. And that's why ESPN wants to fly him from this game to that game right. within an 18-hour period and also do the college game day set along the way. It's ridiculous what they put him through, but he's getting paid a ton of money, and now he's doing this Thursday night thing. It's part of his contract. Good for him. He is smart enough to understand the league and do the research, and believe me, he will have done his homework for every Thursday night game that he does. This is hard for people to understand for whatever reason. And I'm I'm sort of sensitive to this because whenever I would get on the radio... The no, it's not that. But you get pigeonholed as, well, you're, you're Texans' voice, right? Yeah. How do you know anything else about the rest of the NFL? How do you know anything about college football? Mm-hmm. Well, because, well, he's Texas voice. How does he know anything about college football? I think it, in, in certain worlds, like people, well, how do you know anything about the NBA if you cover college basketball? Like, wait a second. You could do both if you do the research. Right. Any rocket science, you could cover both. And I think what Herb Street has proven is that you do the research, you work at it, you learn what you need to learn about, here's what's different from the NFL, here's college, and you're able to separate them and then add something to each product. You can cover the NFL and college. You know what's funny, It can though, happen. Dre does it. He does yeah, a great job But at sometimes it. the ex-athlete that's talking about a sport that he didn't play has less credibility than somebody who didn't play anything at all. It's just a strange dynamic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you didn't play anything at all, well, you're just a well-researched individual. But how can you, as a baseball player, know about basketball? Well, yeah. I watch it, and you know what? I know a thing or two about professional sports or whatever the case may be, whatever your former sport is. All right. Jake Hansen, that's not exactly a household name, but he's making plays in training camp, made an interception last night. Texans got the takeaway train rolling last night along with the sack attack. So let's hear from him next, among other things. It's Texans Radio. Hope it's a great Friday for you, and it's been a good Thursday for the Houston Texans wrapping up the preseason with that 17 nothing win over San Francisco last night. Following the game, John Harris talked to a man who had an interception, and he's having a good training camp, and that would be Illini alum Jake Hansen, played for Lovey Smith. Johnny caught up with him. Jake, you finish up the preseason, you get the win tonight, you get a pick. Um, I even saw you knock the ball away from a former teammate from Illinois. He yeah. didn't kind of like what you had to do. But overall, how'd you feel about tonight's performance? You know, it was, uh, it's always a blast when you get to play ball. And I just take every opportunity I get to step on that field is a blessing and uh, a childhood dream. So I try and make the most of it every time. When you're on a field with Coach Lovey back at Illinois, you led the nation in turnovers for those two particular years. Yeah. That's his mindset. It's always we've learned that since he got here last year. But it seems like it's more ingrained in you maybe than anybody on the field. You get that pick. What are you thinking after you get that pick tonight? Thinking score right away. <laughs> every uh, every play, uh, Coach Smith preaches score. So trying to get that done best I can. But unfortunately, got got knocked down a little bit right there at the end. So I asked Derek this question last week because Derek missed some games last year. You missed a few games last year as well. You had a long career at Illinois, but you missed those games. 
How do you feel like going through training camp? You feel like you're kind of shaking the rust off and you're kind of getting back to where you wanted to be, um, you know, after missing some time last year? Yeah, so I hadn't played football in a year coming off a, a, a big knee injury. So it, it was, at first it's adjustment, a little bit of like a little spazzy on the field at yeah. first, but just getting settled in and trusting that like I belong here. I'm meant to be in this league and I can make plays in this league. So just trusting myself and trusting my ability and being confident out there. But yeah. I know as a rookie, this weekend it's a little different because mm-hmm. you've been playing football your whole life. You don't know what this weekend will bring. Is it nerve-wracking for you, or are you just, hey, what's the next step in the process? How do you kind of look at this weekend going through this your first time? If I told you I wasn't a little nervous for uh, <laughs> that final that final day on Tuesday, I would, I'd be lying to you. But, you know, throughout camp, it always is a little bit over your head. But, you know, it's like if I do everything I can, I can look myself in the mirror with any result that comes my way. And I'm happy with how I uh, – progress throughout training camp and we'll see what the coaches think and we'll kind of go from there so jake have heck of a training camp heck of a game tonight appreciate it congratulations thank you appreciate you john harris with jake hansen after the game johnny jake hansen we'll see what happens with him you never know could be practice squad might make the roster a lot of linebackers vying for seats on the plane if you will jake was interesting to talk to because i actually asked him about that you know, being a rookie this weekend and he was you know how do you deal with it and he he told me he said look I'm not gonna lie to you and tell you that it'll just be hey you know it'll be great he goes you know I'm gonna be nervous you know looking for that phone call I think worst case Jake is on the practice squad and if somebody wants to put him on a 53-man roster I could totally see he'll work in this league I told you absolutely he'll get a good opportunity to work in the NFL and then who knows what happens but He'll get his shot, and he's making the most of it right now as a drafted is. free agent. He he absolutely is. I I don't want to see anybody get hurt, but at some point, I want to see Blake and Jake together. That'd be kind of nice for you as an announcer. Blake and Jake. Yes. Blake and Jake. Mm, with linebackers, Kirko, Wallow, Kamu. I mean, those three right there, Ooh. pretty strong start. We have not seen Christian Harris yet. We oh. really want to because you could get like a Fab Five going on. <laughs> You yeah. know, within a few games, it'd be like when the Fab Five, what was the first game they started? Was it Duke? Notre Dame. It was Notre it was Dame. Notre Dame. They all started together. Ray Jets when Ray Jackson got into the lineup. Yeah, right. I know my Fab Five history. Notre Dame was you that really game. You really do, don't you? I do. You know, I talked to Des King about the Fab Five because uh-huh. he's from Detroit, yeah. but he was like not even born. <laughs> Yeah, he was like five, <laughs> if if that, when they when they are No, uh, yeah. because the Fab Five, no, he was not five. Oh, you're right. You're right. He was not oh my five. gosh, that was thir- I was thinking it was yes. 25 years ago. Not- no. and, and he said everybody's aware of the history. They understand it. But you know, it's like talking about the four horsemen to us sometimes <laughs> when we talk about some of the guys <laughs> that we used to watch. It's true. It's like yeah. Newt Rockney. Yeah. Ring any bells? Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Hey, what about Ty Cobb? I know how many people are listening going, is that a dated reference? Like, I guess. The Fab Five is a dated reference. I'm sorry, my friend. I mean, we'll never, see, we'll never see it again in college basketball. But uh, Oh, no. Actually, you have a better chance now because well, you're going to play maybe. freshmen, and then they're all going to go to the NBA together. That's going to change. Yeah. That's going to change. Yeah, they're going to start letting players come straight out of high school. Again all right. We're running point. out of show very quickly. Anyway, it's been great visiting. We're looking forward to Monday. Texans Monday, 8 a.m., as we'll talk about this game a little bit more, but really get you ready for the Colts. September 11th, noon kick. Tickets at Houston, Texas. Texans.com and the Texans app. Have a great weekend, everyone. Go Texans.